Okay, we are live with the Sammy Hour. Uh, I'm back. It's been a crazy month. Very busy November. But I'm back at home for a little Thanksgiving break, and I have an awesome guest on. I'm actually back in town. Uh, I have another politician on my show. He's a council member here in, uh, or yeah, in Bakersfield. He runs his own nonprofit, and he is a Berkeley graduate. If I'm, if, did I say all those things correct? All those things are true. Uh, go Bears. Uh, go, <laughs> I can't say that. I'm a, I'm a lion right now. But Andre Gonzalez, welcome to the Sammy Hour. Thank you so much. No, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited I, I got you on. Now, I heard that you had been wanting to be on my show for a little bit. I've been so eager and I've had major FOMO yeah. because I saw the mayor. I've seen congressional representatives. Mm-hmm. I've seen assembly members. And I just wondered, when is... When, when is my, is when my is it, turn? When is it my time? When is it my turn? Yeah. Well, I, I, I heard this. I think you were talking to my dad about about it. And he was like, oh, do you ever think about having Andre on your show? You've had three politicians on your show. And I said, oh, that'd be awesome. Because I had been wanting a politician on my show. I always love having politicians on my show. Something about it. I feel good. Okay, it's I'm going gonna... to stop you. I <laughs> hate being called a politician. Really? Even though we are a politician. Yeah, yeah. I am a politician. But I just, you know, I guess there's a negative... Mm-hmm. connotation to a yeah. politician. I prefer public servant mm-hmm. only because that's why I decided to get into this whole thing mm-hmm. is that I, I believe in public service. I believe in the idea of working um, for the greater good yes. for our whole society and that, that some of us um, you know, in, in our society uh, need to step up and to provide um, that sense of service and mm-hmm. commitment to, to help serve others, not just ourselves. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's a that's a good way to put it. I was I was gonna say so I so when you said that, I was like oh you probably want to be called a public servant, but now I'm happy we got that settled. But anyway, with that being said, I love having um, people who are public servants on my show. Which I is, love it better. Yeah, <laughs> um, but uh, what was it like being from and growing up in Bakersfield? You know, when I grew up in Bakersfield, um, you know, it was much smaller than it is today, mm-hmm. and. Um, Went to East Bakersfield High School. Um, was you know did all the things that you know uh, you know someone who is aspiring public servant would do. You know, mm-hmm. got involved in. So in did you always want to be a, a public servant since I was like six years old? Oh wow, that is young. It is crazy because um, for I fortunately had a dad who um, was in um, public service and, and community service. Okay. He, like your father, actually, mm-hmm. he, he had a huge heart for the disadvantaged, the underdog. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, um, when he passed away, the obituary in the Californian said, you know, uh, a champion for the underdog. My, mm-hmm. my dad was a community college counselor at Bakersfield mm-hmm. College for 37 years. Wow. And he um, was also di- director of this program called Extended Opportunities Programs and Services. This program helped people who were first-generation college students who were single mothers who were um, uh, you know individuals who came from low-income families um, who had no opportunities uh, other than the ones presented through EOPS and my dad helped not only provide them with resources for mm-hmm. books materials all that but also just the guidance right the, the one-on-one counseling support uh, you know the mentoring because uh, as you know you just you're in college for the very first time, yeah, right? First semester, yeah. It can yeah. be a little challenging, right? <laughs> yes, it can. It, it could be a little daunting, a little intimidating, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you have two great supportive parents. Well, imagine if if you didn't. Imagine mm-hmm. if none of your family had any experience going to college mm-hmm. before. What what kind of experience going to even a community college 
would be like, right? It was, it was very intimidating for lots of people. And so my dad did, all, did that work. And so my point was is that as a young kid, as six years old, seven years old, I got to witness my dad doing that work. I got to see my parents volunteering their time for the Friendship House off of Cottonwood in, in Southeast mm-hmm. Bakersfield. Um, they would work in um, on, on different scholarship funds for, for disadvantaged uh, communities. And they would do this year after year. And so all throughout my years of growing up, I got to witness this firsthand, much mm-hmm. like you, mm-hmm. right? You get to watch your parents do all the wonderful years, ministry yeah. work for years. And that really left an indelible mark on me. And that really instilled in me this value of, again, public service, of community service, of building a better society through service. And um, that is something that I just wanted to pursue. Mm-hmm. I never really thought about, you know, making money or, you know, all that. That was that wasn't a party. What I want to do is see how I can make a difference for our community. So you always focus on community and how that could how different aspects in, in the community could be changed changed through I guess how how would you say like community work just being an advocate for others or for people who I would you would say like were marginalized didn't have as much opportunity yeah exactly and and really you know championing the issues that help people and for me that means making sure that their basic needs are met, much like, you know, what your your awesome father has done <laughs> at the mission, right? Yeah. Making sure that people who are unhoused have some shelter, making sure that women with children um, find a, a place so that they can get on their solid footing, mm-hmm. get a job, and uh, be, you know, productive citizens and have their own permanent housing. You know, for me, what it meant was... Um, providing people opportunities to mm-hmm. better their lives, mm-hmm. right? Making sure that, yeah, their basic needs are met, but also creating pathways for a better opportunity. Mm-hmm. We have so many wonderful neighborhoods, wonderful uh, communities, wonderful people in Bakersfield. Um, and, and I think what we need as we look towards the longer term is we need more opportunity mm-hmm. so that people... Uh, can find um, their their pathway forward. They can make their lives better. They can, you know, they can build um, wealth, right? I'm not, I'm not saying get rich, but <laughs> they can build their assets. They can own a home. They can have a college savings account for their children. They can start a small business. Those are the types of things that we want to see, that I want to see for lots and lots of people in East Bakersfield and Southeast Bakersfield, and, and, and throughout a lot of these, a uh, lot of our disadvantaged neighborhoods, um, that ultimately I think will lead towards a community transformation. How do you how do you expand and how do you kind of arise these 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 opportunities for people who live in impoverished areas or areas who are you know areas that are tougher that are not as um, you know affluent or don't have as many opportunities as you know other sides of town. I mean, that's a great question, mm-hmm. and it probably require you know a few more podcasts yeah, for us to talk right. about, right? Uh-huh. I mean, there's a lot going on, and mm. one one is you know education is the best pathway out of really? poverty, mm-hmm. right? I had a teacher always said that he was a big believer in education, and and so you're able to pursue you know making sure that that all children um, have 
have access to high quality education mm. it is is priority that's why I, I ran for school board as my first office and mm -hmm. I worked on the Bakersfield City School Board for six years because we have to ensure that all of our children all of those babies who are going into school TK pre-k kindergarten early early on that they have those opportunities uh, to succeed academically and to have those foundational skills so that they can pursue uh, an academic career that's successful. We're, we're not just competing against one another here in this region or even in the state. We're, it's now a, a global economic competition. Mm -hmm. And our region is competing against other regions for economic viability and vitality. And so it's important for us to be as smart as we can, be as talented as we can, and equipped as we can uh, to compete. And, and that's a very real thing. So we got to start with education, especially when it comes to you know, the folks and the families in our disadvantaged neighborhoods. We need to make sure that we provide highest quality of education. Mm -hmm. The other piece, though, is those creating those opportunities, right? Uh, we, we do a good job, I think, at providing direct services to people who are in need, right? Mm -hmm. Making sure that they're, you know, I, I for example, have a food distribution uh, every month in East Bakersfield. There are lots of uh, food distributions throughout the community and mm -hmm. we have a wonderful food bank that does that work. The mission does great work in terms of hot meals and other services directly to the community. So all those things are wonderful. We also need to move, uh, the direction we need to move in is to also provide opportunities for economic success mm -hmm. for people. Meaning give them tangible resources so they can start a business, right? Give them uh, tangible you know, incentives so that they can buy a home, so that they're not a renter for their whole lives, mm. right? We don't want disadvantaged neighborhoods full of just renters. We want ownership, home ownership. The more ownership you have, uh, the more sense of ownership people have of the entire community. Mm -hmm. And so that is really how you begin to transform. Again, transform these communities is by creating that sense of ownership. And so that is what I've been pursuing on the council is that as we have new dollars and new resources available, that we are being very, very strategic in how we utilize these dollars. So it's not just throwing out, you know, um, you know, throwing out, grants or funding to whatever project sounds good, but that we're being really strategic about what are the outcomes, what's going to result as, you know, as a, as a product of our inputs of all those dollars that are invested, and how do we ensure that more and more families are actually going to be better off um, as a result of those investments. That's what I, really I want to see. Now, you saying this, this leads you to um, nonprofit works. I know you have a nonprofit here in town. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So, so I run a nonprofit called Stewards. We okay. manage money for people who are disabled and elderly. Okay. And uh, you know, there are a lot of people who are, frankly, are <clears throat> um, unable to manage their own resources. They get social security disability income. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, um, many different reasons, uh, they aren't able to manage their own money. They can't pay their own rent, utilities. No, is, is this from living in, in like more of an impoverished part parts of, of town? Actually, they live everywhere. Okay. They live throughout okay. the city. Gotcha. Um, and so we actually mapped it out one day. And mm. Everybody was all four corners of the city. Mm. Um, and so what happens though, when, when, when people aren't able to manage it, 
either there's you know bad actors who come in <laughs> right yeah uh, i'm not talking about hollywood actors i'm talking <laughs> about like people who have bad intentions right mm-hmm. and like they insurance come, What's that? How does it like? In, like, are you talking about like insurance or? No, I'm bankers? talking about like anyone. Like, maybe it's a family friend or oh, a okay. neighbor or a, or maybe a relative. Sadly, we've seen that too, mm-hmm. where people come in and they take advantage of these individuals. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay, they will they will take their money mm-hmm. and they will use it for other things other than what's in the best interest of that person. Mm-hmm. And that just breaks my heart when we see, um, you know, people who are who have very little very little and they're they're older sometimes they're frail and they don't necessarily know exactly what's going on and they get taken advantage of and so um, we try to remedy that by by stepping in and taking um, responsibility for making sure their bills get paid their rents get paid and um, we do that for about a thousand clients Wow. A thousand people in our community. And as a result, we're actually keeping people from falling into homelessness. Because mm. if you can imagine it, if we weren't around paying their rent, you know, using their resources to pay utilities, a lot of these folks would actually end up on the street. Mm-hmm. And so we, we, I have a great team at Stewards. They, they have a huge heart for our, our, our um, client base. And they're working really, really hard every day. How long have you been doing that nonprofit work? So because you're the, you're the uh, director of it. Yeah, right? I'm the okay. executive director. So I've been there for uh, 11 years now. Oh, wow. Yeah. How old are you, if you don't mind me asking? I, how old do you think I am? Um, Let's put them on the spot. Okay, okay. Um, I'm going to go with um, probably mid-30s, so like 34, 35. I'm actually 23 years old. No. <laughs> I was gonna be like, "Oh, this is not good." <laughs> I'm 39. Actually, okay. So, mm. I, thank you for that. You're welcome. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. There. <laughs> All right. We have our Starbucks's yeah. in hand, but yeah. What? What are you? 18. I'm 18. Yeah. 18 and a half. Yeah. <laughs> 18 year old here. <laughs> yeah. You know, sometimes uh, I feel younger than I am because I'm in uh, student government at my school. Oh yeah, that's right. I, yeah, I got I a. Saw that. I got Congratulations. a lecture. Thank you. It's it's fun. I, I I have a lot of visions and and things I want to do, but it's been hard for me to. Um, I'm not exactly not really hard, but it's transitioning and, and SGA was different last year because of COVID. So the SGA members who were on SGA last year, they're still trying to figure out how to execute stuff this year because it was really different last year yeah. with with many universities especially the one I go to Vanguard but you're fighting for a water fountain I'm I am trying to get a ping pong table okay extend our open hours for for the freshman and sophomore dorms because okay. I'm I'm uh, the rep of the uh, Huntington Hall which is freshman and sophomore boys okay and um also install a bottle filling station because we don't have one of those and everyone's always wanting water so if I can get those three things accomplished which I will I'll be a happy man at the end of the day. But it's one project at a time. So right it now, is. bottle filling station is looking good. Looks like it's going to be installed. It's going to take some time because, you know, you're all, you are installing something. But I'm, I'm happy when I get that out of the way and then I can do the fun stuff, like extending the open hours, um, getting a ping pong table. But that comes with time. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, good. Good for you. Thank you. But um, anyway, what I was saying about it is... I, I think I'm like the youngest or the second youngest in SGA. Everyone's like 21 or 22. Oh, or they're really? sophomores and juniors. I'm like, wow, I feel uh, I feel really, really young here. But it's, it's good for me to be around people who are older than me because kind of, I look up to those to those juniors and, and seniors. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, they, they know what they're doing. They're doing internships. They, are, they have been successful in their majors. They've made awesome connections. 
their leaders at the school. And that's me being a freshman, tr- figuring everything out and being new to everything. It's, it's good to have those role models because it kind of, it gives me goals. It gives me something to, to work for and just to be, not to be your average college student. I think you're really wise. Even, I have mentors mm-hmm. and I always seek out new mentors mm-hmm. and new folks that I can model my work after. And I think part of being an effective leader is, is um, reminding yourself and always keeping it this focus that you don't know everything, mm-hmm. right? You're, you, that you can be very smart, talented, gifted, but you don't have, you don't have all the answers. And so, you know, I, I believe in this sense of, you know, uh, humble leadership, right? Mm-hmm. That, that you have to go into this work with an open mind, mm-hmm. uh, with an open heart, and be humble to, to hear from other people. And sometimes it's hard to hear from other people, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes we hear things we don't want to hear, like some criticism. <laughs> and sometimes it's not even constructive criticism, yeah. <laughs> right? It's just, it's really... I'm sure you've gotten that a lot. A, being lot, a, of, a lot of unconstructive, <laughs> mm-hmm. sometimes deconstructive uh, criticism. That's yeah. even a thing. But, you know, uh, sometimes it's very hard. And, but, but I think as a leader, we have to... We have to hear it we have to kind of analyze it under try to understand where mm-hmm. where people are coming from where that where those feelings are coming from where that you know, point of view is and then synthesize all of what we hear in order to make a best path forward because mm-hmm. ultimately as a leader we're responsible for for you know moving things forward uh, so just as you're working on you know your three priorities you know, I'm sure you've gotten a lot of ideas from your mm-hmm. fellow um, mm-hmm. uh, roommates and doormates about what should happen, this and that and that. But you've had to solidify, okay, these are the three things. Mm-hmm. Open hours, ping pong, and bottle filling station. Filling station. Mm-hmm. And, and then with that, within that, then you have to, what I heard was you're prioritizing. Yes. I do the same thing all the time. Mm-hmm. I have my list of a hundred things. Mm-hmm. And you, I'm sure yours are way different than yeah, mine. And, and, and so, <laughs> rather, you know, and I can only do these hundred things mm-hmm. within four years. And even that is going to be a push. Yeah. But then I have to, within those hundred priority areas, I have to, you know, I have to prioritize mm-hmm. what comes first, what's next, and, and so on and so forth. And always, always mm-hmm. push them. What makes a great leader? Because you've been in leadership for a while, and I'm sure you've seen a lot of leaders. You've been a leader yourself, and I'm sure you learned a lot and seen a lot as well. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think that a good leader has a healthy balance between understanding that they have a role to play to provide leadership, mm-hmm. to to actually move things forward, to actually make decisions, uh, and to not be. Um, bashful or timid you know people need leaders to lead mm-hmm. we need as a community we need leaders we need leadership um, and so you have to be you have to be strong in that way mm-hmm. right you have mm-hmm. to provide that strength but there's a balance because you also have to have as I mentioned earlier that open mind that you have to have your ears open constantly hearing from other people and recognizing that you may not have all the answers. Yeah. So you have to find this balance that may seem may seem to be conflicting, right? And, and it's maybe maybe competing with one another. But you have to be strong. But you also have to be open enough to hear from other people, mm. feel 
sense what they're feeling, you know, how people are feeling, be in tune with that so that um, your priorities and wherever you're taking the community or the group uh, is in alignment with with the group, Mm -hmm. right? You don't want to become out of touch. Mm -hmm. So that is that kind of constant, constant balance. So, you know, I, I, you know, I hear a lot, I read a lot about leadership and what makes a good, strong leader. Um, I think it's just a whole, whole combination of skills, mm-hmm. right? Some, some are, you know, primary skills, some are secondary, some are tertiary. You know, core characteristics of a leader, someone who, again, who has some, that inner strength, right, to move forward, um, who's not going to, you know, vacillate between this and that and mm-hmm. can can take the heat from other people but somebody also who has an open heart open mind who has empathy for other people someone who is um has a sense of humility uh it's not all about them mm-hmm. right because a leader uh, puts the needs of others before them exactly and the work is about other people it's really not about the leader mm-hmm. right and sometimes i think people forget that and also has integrity, right? Mm-hmm. Does what they say they're going to mm-hmm. do and commits to it and doesn't overpromise. That's one thing that I do not do. And, and people try to go me into it. Is but it overpromising? I, is make promises. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I try never to make promises because I know full well that a lot of these things are... Um, are very hard to do Mm -hmm. and there are other factors that are beyond my control so Mm -hmm. if I promise somebody a a park um, you know there are other factors there's funding issues there's you know state regs for parks there are you know other considerations Mm -hmm. to make that are beyond Andre Gonzalez's ability to actually build a park yeah and so I have to communicate that with people and then I have to say look but you have my commitment that I'm going to work very very hard Mm -hmm. to try to get a park mm-hmm. and I'm going to do whatever I can um, so well, I tr- try to make those commitments to people and, and follow through and do as much as I can and follow up with them mm-hmm. but I don't want to mislead people saying everyone's getting a pony <laughs> and, and then yeah. never 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 see me again mm-hmm. now what happens when you fall short with that like the park for example we, you know things happen right mm-hmm. and, and sometimes we do fall short mm-hmm. and sometimes uh, a lot of things that I have hoped, you know, have, have been, would be accomplished already, um, are not done and are not completed. And mm. um, it's disappointing. And I think as a leader, and I've had to do this, I have to go back and tell people the truth mm-hmm. and, you know, sometimes be the bearer of bad news. Mm. And, yeah. You know, people <clears throat> people will be disappointed, and sometimes people are, um, sometimes they get even upset. But my hope is that ultimately people understand that I respect them enough mm-hmm. uh, to to give them um, the reality of the situation, as opposed to try to sugarcoat something. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, that's something I really believe in. Because in on the flip side, you know, when I have you know others who are promising me things or making commitments, I want them to tell me the truth and not have me, uh, you know, wait around for, Mm -hmm. uh, wait around for them forever or, or, you know, have false hopes on what could be. Mm -hmm. I want to know straight up, 
is it going to happen or isn't it? Mm -hmm. Or what's what's the reality of this happening? And that's when the integrity comes in the picture, what you were talking about earlier. That's where the, the aspects of a leader. That's where, where mm -hmm. the integrity comes in. And sometimes it's very difficult, right? Mm -hmm. It's very difficult to go to people who love, support you, and, you know, who are really counting on you to say, look, this isn't going to be exactly what what we want, mm -hmm. you know, and this isn't, this isn't going to happen, and here, here's why. That's very... Mm -hmm. It's very hard to do, but I think, it's important. Yeah, I think that's where I see myself right now is, you know, uh, going to college, being a freshman is, I, I'm like, whoa, I was only at school for uh, three or four weeks. I ran for this position, ended up getting elected. I ran against a junior who had three years experience oh, wow. and I had three weeks experience. Yeah, yeah. So with that, I have a, a big burden, not a big burden, but every now and then, you know, I'll be, I'll finish homework or I'll, I'll be doing something and I'll, I'll be thinking like, oh, you're that you're rep you you have all these things on your agenda you want to uh, you want to please as many people as you can and then sure. you know sometimes i'm like what if i don't get to all those things what if they fall short but i think it from what i hear it's important to try as best as you can and be as transparent as you can with the people you represent because i think that way you build a strong relationship in a community right it's only going to help you and of course the people that you lead i always try to report back either mm -hmm. through social media mm -hmm. or through um, just you know informal meetings with my constituents, yeah. uh, so that I am in constant uh, dialogue with them. Yeah. I'm looping back and letting them know, look, here's what's happening. Here's the progress on some things. Here's here's why these things have been uh, going on for so mm -hmm. long. Um, you know, one of the one of the issues, for example, um, was we we were in Oleander, neighborhood mm -hmm. of Oleander, we were replacing all of the decorative streetlights that had been there for a hundred years. It's an old neighborhood, right? Old neighborhood. Mm -hmm. These beautiful, you know, historic street lamps had to be removed because many of them were rotting to the core mm. and they were actually falling <laughs> over and they were, they were hitting other cars and they were rotting and we could not repair them um, because there were no, the manufacturer we couldn't replace them because the manufacturer was no longer yeah, available. hundred years, yeah. right? <laughs> and then also, it was hard to repair because they had lead-based paint. Mm -hmm. And so to treat it was going to be a very expensive proposition. So there just wasn't any good solution mm -hmm. because many of the poles had already been removed, um, had been destroyed. So even if we tried to replace some of them, there would be a, dis there would be a mismatch mm -hmm. throughout the neighborhood. So eventually I had to turn around and say, look, we're we're gonna have to replace these, yeah. and we're gonna replace them with something that looks very similar, but it's gonna be more more modern. And here's why. And there were other technical issues related mm -hmm. to the electrical work that we had to communicate as well. And so a lot of people were very upset. Yeah. And they were very they did not want that to happen, um, and they were very sad about it. I was sad about it. Yeah. But they're really given all of the other options. There wasn't any really good choice. So mm -hmm. this was an issue that, you know, because Oleander, I have a lot of friends and, 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 and really great supporters that I was dreading. And, but I said, you know, let's have a community meeting. We had a meeting and people showed up, they were upset, but we laid out all of the cards. We, we showed them exactly every alternative that we had explored. We shared with them the rationale. And by the end of it, there were so more people who came out with the understanding who said the same thing. I don't like it, but we understand that this is what we have to do. So you were transparent, and with that, you gained, 
you would say trust and um, acceptance from that because that was kind of a, a hard thing to do because people within that neighborhood but they didn't it was with someone with the, they didn't want those street lights to be right removed because they had been there for so long it was kind of part of that community exactly mm-hmm. so now we have grain part yeah so now we have a replacement uh, street lights that look good. They're decorative in nature. So um, do they look similar to the, the original? They, ones? they look similar, That's awesome. and and uh, and you know they provide a lot more lighting. So mm-hmm. now we have you know enhanced security, better lighting in the area, mm-hmm. and we still have that decorative nature. So it ended up working out in the end for you. For for the most part, for, I mean, yeah. there are still some people who mm-hmm. are who are, <laughs> are upset about it, and I understand. Yeah. Um, now, as we start winding down, I, you're, I know you're a busy man. You sure. have places to be. Yeah. Um, what does a sustainable community look like to you? That's great. Um, that's a great question. <laughs> so I think for, for, for Bakersfield, mm-hmm. uh, what it means is um, making sure that we're very smart about how we grow. We know that we're growing. Yeah. All right. Every year we grow about one and a half to two percent. Wow! Right. So we're we're continuing to grow, and that's only accelerated because of the pandemic. Mm. And so, you know, more and more people are finding Bakersfield a great place to live. That's wonderful. But we got to decide like how we're gonna how we're gonna grow. It's a planning <laughs> because we got to do better planning because the more and more we we build houses on the west side, mm-hmm. and continue to build out on green fields on farmland and whatnot. The, the more expensive it becomes for the city to service all those general mm-hmm. services, right? The more expensive it is, uh, you know, it's expensive to pave a new road and yeah. repave a new road. So every mile is like millions of dollars of additional cost Did for not know that. <laughs> sewer maintenance, water, mm-hmm. uh, street repair. Mm-hmm. And then you think about police coverage, right? Mm-hmm. Now we have to cover another mile out. Uh, fire coverage, suddenly we have to you know, do a lot more and have, you know, so, so you see that, you know, the more we expand outward, the more cl- costly it becomes. Mm-hmm. What I would like us to see, and what I've been pushing, because I represent downtown, is to see more, more development within the existing mm-hmm. core, right, mm-hmm. that has gone for a long time overlooked and has a lot of property available for us to develop. This is called infill development. Mm-hmm. So instead of Outward, outwardly developing, we're infill developing the urban core. And I like to see more housing down here. Um, I like to see it more dense, right? So more dense population of people. Mm-hmm. So if you know that per capita or per person, right, the cost of delivering services to the by the, from from the city is a lot less uh, than it is on the west side. I'll give you an example. So let's say you have a, a high rise, right? Mm-hmm. Or let's say you have a four story, five story building, okay. four story building. Uh, so you have, you know, one, two, three, maybe three different apartments, one right up above each, each other, right? Yeah. So within within that given space, you have three families, right? Within that block, you may have, um, you know, a good. 50 families, right, within one block, mm-hmm. versus on the west side, you may have, what, 10 families, five families? It's going to be more for sure because it's more populated on the west side. Yeah, so you're going to so you're gonna have more people in the infill block, mm-hmm. you know, per block, than you have on the, on the west side. Right. So that means it's cheaper to deliver those city services. Mm-hmm. I see that now. I didn't... I, hmm. 
because when it comes to sustainability, it's focused on is it it's three factors, right? It's it's environment, it's economics, and the social aspect. Right. So that's kind of a big that's that, that's a it's only, I mean you, some and, people are like three things, but those are three complex things that lead to sustainability. It does, and you know, environment. Uh, it's far more environmentally sustainable to actually do infill development mm-hmm. because you have if you're able to densify the area, you have more in a concentrated given area, that, that means more opportunities for people to walk, right? To get to work, school, the, the supermarket, whatever they need. I have a vision of creating what's called a 15 minute neighborhood. Okay. Where we can create in downtown everything you need, everything you need to live your whole life. Mm-hmm. Church, school, work, doctor's office, hospital, um, grocery stores, cafes, whatever it is, all within a walking distance of 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. So you never have to get in a vehicle. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are communities who live like that, right? Yeah. Uh, I have friends on the East Coast who were born and raised in um, New York City. And uh, they're my age. They've never, they've never had a driver's license. Wow. Never. Can you imagine? Uh, no, I can't. That's insane. I mean, people, they don't need it. And so that's a decision that we can make for our city. Now, when you talk about this 15-minute 15, this neighborhood, this vision, and, and you're talking about the East Coast, I, I see that that's, that's – I would say it's pretty prevalent in, like, cities like New York City, Boston, mm-hmm. um, Philadelphia. Now, you, Bakersfield's growing right. in that sense because we're at, what, 300,000? Uh, yeah, we're, we're almost over 400,000 now. Wow, I did not know that. So that idea of a 15-minute neighborhood, you think that's going to become more realistic as the, as the city keeps growing? Oh, that's my – yeah, that's my yeah. whole point is I'm trying to make sure that mm, happens. I see. So okay. the work that we're doing right now is to ensure that as we continue to grow, mm-hmm. that yes, we're going to continue to grow on the west side. Yeah. That, that's going to be – For sure. Hard, okay. But – we also need to work on infill development. We also have to, well, we also have to grow and have more people living within the downtown area. Mm-hmm. So my goal is to double the population of downtown by 2030. I mean, mm-hmm. It's a it's a goal that the council has adopted that we want 10,000 new residents mm-hmm. by 2030 living within the downtown core. Mm-hmm. The more people who live downtown, the more uh, demand there is for more restaurants supermarkets, you know, cafes, all of that. And, the, you know, it just kind of feeds on itself. It creates this virtuous cycle for economic development. So that, that's, the, that's sustainability, but that's mm-hmm. more on the economic part of it. Economic and, and environmental. Mm-hmm. And environmental. And social, right? would you say, right? If Ab- you're... Absolutely. So in the social element, we want to make sure that it's not all just one type of housing. It's not mm-hmm. just all market rate. We also have to create some affordable housing in the mm-hmm. area. Um, we also have to make sure that um, we have mixed income neighborhoods, yeah. right? So it's not just high income mm-hmm. and then low income over here, but we have mixed income neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. And the research is clear that the more opportunities there are for people you know, from low income families, uh, have the more opportunities they have to live next to a higher income family Mm -hmm. the more opportunities there are for them to actually move out of poverty Mm. Mm. which makes sense it does i see that now now were you i know this is kind of a little unrelated but it just has me thinking um 
So you're talking about college earlier. Were you a poli sci major? I was. Okay, yeah. intro, I, I I see that now because I had a one of my favorite teachers in high school. Uh, he was my A push teacher and my AP government teacher, and uh, the stuff that that he would that he would talk about in class um, is very similar to what you're talking about. And he was an a, uh, he was a poli sci major, so kind of I was like, oh, kind of seen a similarity. But I I, I with poli, with that political science aspect, I mean. I'm a business major right now. I'm gonna add uh, either as I'm gonna add a minor either in journalism or political science. I'm glad you did business. Yeah, really. Yeah. Okay. Remember, uh, I heard that you were thinking about political science. I was for a while. Yeah. I say two thirds of my senior year. And I, I kept talking to your dad about, hey, have him think about business. <laughs> so I'm yeah. glad to hear it. Yeah, I'm not bad at business. It's fun, but I definitely I'm I something about government I government economics I I became it's it's something that's been very appealing to me. Yeah. Ever since I took AP government last year, one of my favorite classes ever. Well, that's good. But um, with that, there's a there's a lot that goes into this sustainability and to growing um, a community and economically, socially, environmentally. That it 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 doesn't just vest in, in one leader's hands like you. Right. It takes literally a whole community to do that and understand that. Mm-hmm. Um. So as we kind of wind down with this last question, I mean, what goals do you see yourself in the community accomplishing, and what goals do you want to accomplish? Um, number one um, is that housing goal for mm-hmm. downtown. Uh, number two is to see us do some real uh, meaningful uh, work in some of our disadvantaged neighborhoods, making sure that we're meeting the infrastructure needs for enhanced lighting. You know, a lot of our disadvantaged neighborhoods, we have um, a disproportionate number of people who actually bike and work or to school or to work. Um, as opposed to owning their own vehicle. Mm. And so we have to make sure that infrastructure is there for walkability, Mm -hmm. right? Making sure we have better and improved sidewalks throughout the east side, making sure that we have a shade canopy that makes it more conducive in the summer months, Mm -hmm. making sure that we have better lighting so it's well lit and safer for people to actually walk. Mm -hmm. So that's a big priority of mine as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And then overall, for the city of Bakersfield, you know, my goal is to, um, my third thing is to see that we're we're positioned for future economic development mm-hmm. um, because our region uh, will continue to grow, uh, but we need to make sure we have um, the right areas of focus in terms of economic development mm-hmm. so that people have real opportunities to succeed. Mm. Huh. Well, when I hear these goals, it sounds like it's going to be more of a, a long-term. Type. More it's going to take years, e- months. Even, yeah. even far longer than, than when I'm on the council. Mm-hmm. So Now, um, where do, you, do you ever see yourself running as an assemblyman or as a congressman? I do. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Huh. So my, my hope is to, uh, to at one point move up um, and, uh, and at least give it a shot. And um, look... I, my goal is, like I said earlier, is to serve the public. And mm-hmm. I think that in any job, in any field that we're in, if you do something well, um, you get promoted. Yeah. Right? And so um, I've been working my tail off to do this job really well. And uh, I hope that the community and um, the voters, um, they see that. Mm-hmm. And if not, I, I, can, I can move on to other things. Mm-hmm. Well, if you put in the time, put in the grind, and do the effort... It's going to reap benefits. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I wish you the best in these goals. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah. And uh, 
I anyway. finally made it on the podcast. He, finally, he did it. Finally. You can cross someone off the bucket list. Yeah, that's right. So even if you don't become a congressman or assemblyman, you always have this to look on. This Same is, era podcast. This could be the highlight of <laughs> Episode <my career>. 31. <laughs> Episode 31. Well, I can't believe I've done 31 episodes. But anyway, folks, uh, it's uh, Thanksgiving. I'm recording this a day before Thanksgiving. It's going to be out after Thanksgiving. Um, any Thanksgiving plans? Uh, yeah, I'll be here at the mission. mission. Sounds good. Yeah. I'll see you then. Um, but anyway, folks, uh, thank you. Thank you for joining, Andre. Um, everyone listening, have an awesome Thanksgiving. Uh, we're almost done with the year 2021. Went by so quickly. You have no idea. I can't wait to do I'm going to do two or three episodes in, in December. I'm just going to finish out the year strong, have a lot to talk about, have an awesome, funny guest planned out that I go to college with. But anyway, have an awesome Thanksgiving. Follow Andre Gonzalez. Where can they find you on Instagram? Oh, Instagram is at Andre Gonzalez, A-N-D-R-A-E. Okay, and I will shout that out when I release the episode. You'll see that. But anyway, folks, um, take care. God bless, and uh, have a happy Thanksgiving.